This is Jane Hardwick Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. joining the Womancraft podcast. We have episode 24 with Kiralee. Kiralee journeyed in the sacred blue mountains of Australia in New South Wales in 2019 on the Four Seasons journey. So I'll leave it here and enjoy the episode. Okay, welcome Kiralee to the Womancraft podcast. It's a deep honour to have you as we are gathering together on the 11th of March at 11am and yeah just really excited to have you here and thank you for being here. Oh thank you Ayla, I feel very honoured to be here, very thankful Mm. for this opportunity. Mm. And so you journeyed uh, in the Blue Mountains in 2019. Yes. And so and that was with Raven and Ishwari. Raven was the apprentice and Ishwari and Kristen were the teachers. Beautiful. And how many was in your um, gathering of people when you journeyed? Our gathering was very small. There were eight eight women, uh, which I feel so thankful for now in hindsight. I think that was so perfect for me and a real gift to have such a small group and the time and intimacy that that allowed for. Mm, beautiful. The, the last podcast I did with Akalita, we spoke about the, um, she, you know, she did the gathering with up to 60, I think, and we spoke about the presence around that and that journey and it was really interesting to feel into that space and, you know, how intimacy was created around larger groups. So I'd really, yeah, really interested in hearing about the intimacy with a group of eight too and, you know how what came up with that as well because I'm I'm sure you know there's a deeper level of more sharing and connection with others too that um, can be quite beneficial as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm sure there's many, many gifts and um, positives for larger groups. For me, in where I was in my life story, a smaller group was perfect for me. And you're right, it did. Um, It did create a sense of time. There was plenty of time for us all to really go deep and to listen to every other woman's sharing. And that was really, really special. And and as I said, I was going through a particular um, stage in my 
personal biography. So a small group was perfect for me because I was bringing a really big story up out of the shadows into the light. And so um, the, the intimacy of the small cauldron was really what I needed at that time. Mm, and so I always love to feel into what called you to this, to this journey. Look, I was aware of the School of Shamanic Womancraft um, since the days that it was the School of Shamanic Midwifery and I've been going to women's festivals and events for many years and always noticed the women that were part of the School of Shamanic Womancraft and I always admired them. They just looked so strong and um, fierce in a way, not in a scary way but in a beautiful way. <laughs> And the connection that I witnessed that they had with each other was always really strong. And I really felt um, in my witnessing of, of mermaids in the past, I, I felt a sense that they had, they really knew themselves somehow. They knew themselves in a deep, honest way. And I wanted that for myself. And I felt that I would do I would definitely do the Four Seasons journey at some point, but it was a little bit off maybe a few years down the track was what I was thinking in my thoughts. In um, two th the end of 2018 and then um, throughout 2018, I started having um, repressed memories of childhood trauma, abuse and trauma arise and um, at the end of 2018, I was in a really difficult place with myself. So I didn't come to the Four Seasons journey from a, an amazing, strong, empowered place. It was quite the opposite for me. I felt in such a dark, helpless place. I, I chose to do it only a couple of weeks before it was starting. I was quite a late, it was quite a late impulsive decision in many ways, but I wanted to... I felt like I needed to face myself and face what was going on uh, in my life in a really real, real way. And I felt that um, the Four Seasons journey would be so, would be such a strong container that I wouldn't be able to get away from facing myself. So for me, I came into it from a bit of a, a wounded entered into it from a place of wounding almost. Mm, and did you know or connect with any other people that had journeyed uh, before to have some um, conversation around that and what it would look like for you stepping into that? Um, I, knew, I, I knew a few mermaids but I was, um, I was quite close friends with Raven and she I have to say she played a big role in um, in connecting me with um, with with seeing myself do the four seasons journey in a real way. Um, so I did know a little bit, little snippets from what she told me, but she was always very mysterious. But I definitely have to thank her for encouraging me along. Mm. Do you look uh, in retrospect on this now? Because we have a few people that have been on the podcast and sometimes they say that the, the calling was so deep in a way that they couldn't explain it and I'm wondering if you had that too there was a lot of 
mystery around the calling that uh, you felt like that pull into doing this? Yeah, in a sense, yes, because I never, even in my conversations with Raven or other people, I didn't know the full content of the course. So it was a big leap of faith in that way, a big leap into the unknown. And, um, yeah, I just, I knew that I needed something. I really wanted to face myself and bring what was emerging into the light and to have a safe space um, away from my regular life to do that. But beyond mm. that, I didn't know. <laughs> I just must mm. have felt intuitively that it was going to be um, to give me all those things that I felt I needed, which it did. Mm. And so stepping into the first gathering and, you know, your awareness around the wounding and stepping into that space, how was that for you? It was... Um, I, I remember the first few gatherings I would I would be ringing Raven up a couple of days before in tears saying, I can't do this, I can't go through with it, I can't go. Um, I don't, I've got um, five children. I don't know how I managed to organise childcare and everything, but I did. Wow, yeah, that's <laughs> and, impressive. <laughs> and I remember arriving to the first gathering feeling a bit of a mixture of excitement, uh, but also nervousness for sure. I, it was almost like I knew, I knew somehow that something powerful was going to unfold. And while I said yes to that, it was also a little bit daunting for sure. Mm. So I just thought I might mention too, um, this is always good to hear for people that uh, haven't experienced the journey that, you know, the gatherings aren't just you go there and and you cut off until the next three months or whatever. There is that connection there, um, you know, with the apprentices or the teachers that, you know, that support. Did you feel that too during your, you know, your journey looking at it as a whole now that there was that support there beyond just the three days of gathering too? Yeah. And, with your, and with your, you know, the women too in the circle? Yeah, absolutely. There definitely was. Um, and I really wanted that. Although I have to say I was also aware, you know, talking about the trauma story that was unfolding, I was aware at the first gathering there was a moment when I kind of, after I had met all the women, I kind of looked at them all and thought to myself something along the lines of, oh, you know, okay, this this is the group of women that is going to witness my process. So for me there was a real, there was a double focus of, Wanting, wanting that connection and sisterhood, but also I was very clear from the beginning that I was there to go through my process and mm. it was those women that were going to witness it for better or for worse or whatever that meant. But, yeah, the connection was very strong and I did feel really well held by everyone for the whole, um, whole Four Seasons journey gear. And with that, you know, as you said um, about you know, they, they'll be witnessing you in these moments and sharings and did you feel that you could drop in to that space um, quite readily? Were you ready to, to drop in and, and start, you know, feeling into the story and working with that? Yeah, I was. Um, I had been sitting in circle for many years previous to that with Yia alias, um, 
who used to run the Hestia Heart Flower Circle. So I was really kind of experienced in sitting in women's circles already. And um, something about me is that I'm quite an intense person. I just can't help but go there. And I'm often that woman who, you know, does the most crying and has the biggest process or really most intense feelings. I'm often that person. So I totally knew that was going to happen and that was probably part of my nervousness, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> Which is the perfect person for others to feel okay to open up and Possibly. <laughs> do the same, right? <laughs> Possibly, but it's not always easy being that person. <laughs> yes, yeah, I bet. Well, can I go back to your children? What's their ages with, with going, you know, with, you know, like, sort of bonding I suppose with the the mother bond um how did you go with that with their ages and and having that time apart uh so my children are well now this year in 2021 the eldest is 21 who is a trans woman um and who lives out of home then there's a 17 year old boy and 14 and 11 year old girls and and nine-year-old boy so in 2019 when I did the four seasons journey the youngest was seven and um you know what I'm I'm so blessed I was recently separated from my husband of 20 years before um embarking on the four seasons journey but he was um and still is very much involved and we're also really blessed to have both of the grandmothers really involved with our family. So I had a lot of support and my children um, really supported me to go. Um, they, I don't know, I don't know how it was for them or what their understanding was, to be honest, but maybe intuitively they knew that it was something that I needed and they really supported me to go. And it wasn't always easy having uh, especially with the solo trip, having so many days away, that was probably the longest I'd ever been away from my children. But um, I don't know, I think back to my earlier life as a mother when my children were really small and I was really, really present for them. I was there so much. I was so dedicated to mothering when they were younger. So I felt like there was I'd almost built up a little bank account of deposits of being being there and being really present that I had to draw upon mm -hmm. so it was often very complicated childcare arrangements with maybe two children here and one child somewhere else and so forth but we made it work mm. yeah I mean it's just good to hear you know one of the blockages is around childcare, and it's possible and um, as many might not know, like, you know, babies in arms are welcome. And I think it's around too when uh, you're going to these gatherings, and I'm just speaking from my experience now, that when I came home, you know, so much just shifted and changed and how I was with in my mother archetype role and, you know, developing myself in the home life as well by using the processes Um the kids could see that change in me like this is me now yeah mm. so I, I'm wondering if you felt that too like the kids would see you when you came back and the shifts or um, you know the processes and that type of thing if that if they could see that in you 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I hope the answer is yes, but I don't feel sure. I know for sure that the gatherings were very strengthening and I felt strengthened within myself afterwards. I'm not sure how that translated into family life or mothering because also at the same time, remember these, I was having, um, you know, a lot of spontaneous repressed memories emerge. So even whilst I was being strengthened by the Four Seasons Journey Gathering, I was also going deeper and deeper into this massive descent of sorts into trauma memories and the difficulties involved with that. But it's per but it's all perfect if you think about it because obviously I needed I needed that strengthening in those times away in order to go deeper with the story that was unfolding. Yeah, and could we feel into that a bit more around the spontaneous memories and did you find the processes in the gatherings uh, helped in any way around, um, you know, processing the wounding or revealing what it needed to reveal or can you feel into that for us? And Not in a direct way but definitely connecting with a power animal and um, I'm, a, I'm a really... Um, my sense is really sight so I'm a really visual person doing drum journeys and things like that so um, having the wolf as my power animal I have to say that was probably the most significant thing that directly applied to the trauma journey because once I connected with wolf um, I also had a, an internal space a mind cave and at times when I was feeling kind of the most intense wounding as a result of the memories, I often retreated into the mind cave with, um, with the wolf. And I can remember many times kind of imagining myself lying in this, in this um, lovely soft bed in my mind cave and the wolf would just come and lick my body all over. And somehow that was such a healing and transformative Thing. it was so healing so mm. that's the first thing that comes to mind for sure mm, beautiful yeah thank you for sharing that yeah it's a so very tender the... private thing to share mm. I mean yeah and feeling the into the wolf the cave and and those that primal more so energy too so mm. how, how did you go with wolf um is it the full moon where you make the mask and you really spend that three days feeling into your power animal? Yes. Yes, that was a very interesting gathering, that one, because I'd had some um, some difficulties with my son at that time. That week before attending the gathering, there'd been some, um, some family violence that happened in the home, actually, and I arrived at that gathering a little bit late and you know, with basically having done no preparation and not knowing what was going on at home and how it was going to be when I returned. And then when I heard that we were going to be doing this um, this dance, I was like, within myself, I was just like, no, nah, I am not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not, um, not, wasn't feeling very comfortable or free in my body because of the trauma story. But um, I brought some materials with me to make 
this mask and I spent all day making the wolf mask and I was so really proud of it in the end. It was exactly what I wanted. It had kind of a, I did the ears in a particular way so that it suggested a kind of alertness but also a watching energy that this wolf mask had. And then, um, yeah, when it came time to do the long dance, I just, it was very cold where we were and I was walking over to the space and something just came over me, Ayla. It was very strange and I just kind of threw off this big coat that I was wearing and just um, slipped into this other realm. It was quite powerful for me, that that gathering. Mm, wow. And how, how did you, uh, you, you know, you, the Blue Mountains is a very sacred area and how did you feel into the land and the energy around that during these processes too? Yeah, we stay. We um, we had our gatherings that year in a few different places around the Blue Mountains, and all of them were so beautiful. I I'm a really watery, emotional person, so where whatever place we were at, I would always go and bathe somehow in the water every morning, no matter how cold it was. So that is kind of the way that I bring myself to the landscape that I'm in, and um. I find I found the land especially in the solo trip it was such a kind of strong it was a strong yet gentle force that just really held me as I was going through whatever I was going through yeah there's some beautiful places around the Blue Mountains for sure so was your solo trip in the Blue Mountains too the wilderness solo it was up um it was up past Lithgow, Lithgow, northwest of Lithgow in a national park. Um, so, so for those um, listening to that haven't uh, experienced the journey, the Wilderness Solo um, is uh, a part of the Four Seasons and I'd love for you if you feel okay with telling me how that was for you and just stepping into that space too. Um. yeah that was another there seems to be a really big story around every gathering from that year but a week before the solo trip I suddenly had um, a big spontaneous download of lots of memories of childhood sexual abuse and torture and um, that it was just so much all at once it was too much all at once and I went into a bit of a mental health crisis actually this is a week before and um was very lucky to have lots of supportive people around me i've been working with a great counselor for a few years now and um ended up kind of um having to do some emails and discussions with the teachers and with jane behind the scenes to just ensure that it was okay for me to even go on the solo trip and that I would be okay mentally and all of that kind of thing. And we came up with a plan that I would go and but that maybe I wouldn't do the full fasting since I'd never done a three-day fast before. So again, like when I got to the solo trip, um, all of that had happened the week before and I was, I was just so fragile and I hesitate to use the word broken because that is not a great way to think about oneself, but that was definitely how I felt at the time. So fragile and broken and um, 
you know, I have to really acknowledge the teachers because I think their trust in me or their trust in the process never wavered for one second. They were just so strong in supporting me to go and do the solo time away. And I remember when it was time to go, um, you know, we are asked to leave something behind to come back to. And, and I didn't know that that was going to happen. And when that was suggested, I, I felt so, um, I suddenly felt really panicky inside. And I, I just was thinking to myself, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't leave anything behind. Like I have to go. There was this such a strong sense that I needed to walk off into that solo wilderness experience alone with nothing left behind, no, nothing to tether me, no ties at all, which is what I did. I don't know why. I didn't know why that was so crucial. I just knew it had to be that way. So, um, yeah, I went off. Um, I'd chosen a sweet spot next to a river that was there in the landscape where we were. And when I got there to this little spot, um, I set up the direct the four directions and I went into the river to um, make my little sacred circle to include the river space so that I could bathe if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And there was a sweet little ladybug on this log that was there where I set up one of the directions. And then when, uh, and that there was a ladybug there again at the end of my solo trip when I finished and closed the directions and there was these beautiful trees around where my tent was that and I could hear this beautiful soft um you know the it was quite windy but all I heard was this gentle rustling of the leaves in these trees above me there was a real gentleness about my experience which is very interesting because Pretty much the minute that all eight of us walked off in our separate directions, the weather started to get really wild where we were and this, um, you know, a big storm blew over and it was actually um, supposed to snow where we were. This is in September near Lithgow. I think it did snow in Lithgow, but in in this little valley where we were, it didn't snow, but it certainly rained a lot. And nearly every other woman had to move her tent and one woman um, got completely washed her tent got completely washed away and she had to be rescued and um, working with my birth story I knew when I got to my place and set up my tent that it was a conscious thing in my mind that I did not want to have to move my tent again Um, and and I didn't so despite other women getting flooded out and most of them having to move to avoid the rising um, river I didn't have to move my tent and um, I set it up I've done a lot of camping so I think I'm pretty good setting up a tarp I set up my tarp so that I didn't get wet in any way I was so cozy and warm in my little this little cave that I set up mm-hmm. um, and there was such a gentleness about it which was so so perfect for where I was and what I needed at that time So I did end up fasting for two and a half days out of the three days. 
and just feeling and starting to get a beautiful visual of the wolf <laughs> in the cave with the you know the like the tarps like the front of the cave with the water dripping down and just you know the soft gaze and the gentleness did you find the gentle even with the weather that, that you still managed to feel that gentleness yeah look I did and I'm so surprised about it now because I don't particularly like a strong wind or the sound of the wind and there was a lot of strong wind but honestly all I heard in my little space was this lovely gentle rustling of the casuarinas above me I didn't hear any wild whistling wind and though the river did rise like it rained all of the first night and the the first full day and the river next to me just kept rising and rising and I I think somewhere during the journey I looked out at the rising floodwaters which they were starting to become and I thought I just thought to myself oh well you know the teachers are there like they're holding the space they'll just come and get me if if I'm not going to make it back like I just I can't believe it now Ayla honestly I can't believe that I never had one moment really of anxiousness or fear about the weather situation or what was happening around me but I did I did really go into an altered state I had a really profound healing experience I think while I was there and just going back to being aware of your birth story which is um, what plays out in the four seasons journey too did you find the process of making your drum laid some or weaved in some foundations for the wilderness solo, for that, you know, awareness around your birth story? Yeah, definitely. Because when you work, when you work with your birth story in such a conscious way, making the drum, it can't help but bring one's birth story into such, um, such awareness. And it, it, yeah, it really did. It was really powerful for me because it was my actual birthday, the weekend that we made the drum. So oh, wow. I had such a I had I had such a multi-dimensional experience really because I can remember um, when I was making the drum and doing all of that lacing. It was like I was it was like I was living my birth story or or um, you know I was just in my birth story. Like the whole thing of making my drum was the birth story, but also in the mo- every moment and every second was somehow also my birth story. Like it was just this kind of holographic birth story upon birth story experience. It was really profound. And what happened for me was that, um, you know, I'm a, semi, I'm a semi-professional craftswoman, so I have some skills and <laughs> I really was a bit attached maybe to making the perfect drum. And so I um, I was lacing it quite tight and then it got to a point and the sinew snapped. And that was such a pivotal moment for me because all of a sudden when it, when it snapped, I, I, um, I kind of just sat there for a few minutes in some kind of shock or not knowing what to do. But I realised like, it was really devastating because I'd suddenly lost the perfection of the drum, you know, with the, with the snapping of the sinew, it just wasn't going to be perfect or what I thought perfect was. And that was really quite hard for me to overcome. And it did relate directly to my birth story because when I was born, they, um, the doctors thought that I had spina bifida. And so I was removed from my mother's 
straight away when I was born so that they could um, check me out and examine me. And so it was, it was, it was exactly the same thing because I was, you know, generally when we think of a baby being born, we think of a perfect newborn. But when I was born, suddenly I wasn't perfect. And that actually, um, that story triggered into some trauma that my mother had in relation to my older sibling's birth. And so as a result of me being taken away and then thinking that there was something wrong with me, she actually um, emotionally closed off in many ways to me as a newborn baby. So making the drum, it was totally about that. And in the end, the sinew snapped three times. And so I, I tied knots in the sinew, but then I couldn't get the knots through the holes that I'd made in the hide of the of the um of, of the drum and eventually I had to I, I decided to go and ask one of the teachers for help and that was a really big deal for me as well I'm super overly independent possibly so to ask for help was a really really big deal but I did go and ask for help and as soon as I asked for help um I think Kristen said something very vague in return. It wasn't even an answer to my question, but whatever the issue was with the knots in the sinew, it just suddenly resolved itself and on I went. And out of that, I really got the message that, um, you know, I did go on to make a beautiful drum that was really tightly laced to my satisfaction and really strong. So for me then it became about, um, you know, this that there can be, the possibility that there can be a strength even with imperfection or that there can be a strength even with brokenness. And that actually was a really, really healing thing for me to, to come to out of that drum making experience. You are listening to the School of Shamanic Womancraft podcast series with Ayla Myra. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. Yeah, beautiful. Did you find that that clarity too that you speak of now? Did did that in during that process of making the drum and the weaving? Um, did it feel? you know, what sort of feelings come up around intensity or, um, you know, these thoughts in the mind or did you find it was quite a gentle process of revealing um, these these patterns and these imprints? How, how did you go with that, that? Gee, that's a challenging question. I'm not sure what the answer is. Mm. I think um, having done, having, I, I do a lot of, um, craft work in my daily life and so I um it's almost a meditative practice for me so I think initially I just really went into that zone into this kind of beautiful meditative half conscious zone where just thoughts and feelings were kind of just flowing through me and I was aware of a lot of thoughts that were happening as I was doing the drum but once the once the sinew snapped that first time it just, um, yeah, I think it must have activated quite strong emotions for sure. I can't, 
I don't know if I can articulate more than that right now. Mm. And so going back to this wilderness solo and being with your drum and working on the birth imprint and feeling that uh, that gentleness and the rain and how how was that process during that time of you know being alone were you really looking forward to that alone time um in yourself and how were you you know just during one of those moments of sitting there with a drum and how was that (laughs) I because of what had happened the week before with those memories emerging and feeling so fragile mentally I it wasn't a case that I was looking forward to it it was more I did have a nervousness about whether I was going to be okay and within myself and I did I remember um, my counsellor and the teachers and everybody around me had such a faith and a trust that it would be totally fine I really lent into that going into it I didn't I didn't look forward to it, but I didn't dread it either. It was kind of a almost a matter of fact thing of, okay, this is what's happening tomorrow. You know, I'm packing my stuff and I'm going to walk out of here for three days alone. It's just what's going to happen. Mm. But once I got out there and was by myself, um, yeah, I did really, I did feel just that gentle support from the land that I mentioned before that held me so tenderly and I had a very um, powerful I had a very powerful vision on the day that it rained it rained for one whole day and so I just stayed in my tent and dozed on and off all day that day and I had a very powerful kind of vision where I saw um, I saw myself from above lying in lying in my tent and and I saw an owl fly down to my chest and start to pull this kind of um, this white this energetic white sticky kind of cobwebby stuff out of my chest but all of a sudden I knew there was there was too much for the owl and so the owl kind of called this kookaburra and a kookaburra flew down and the kookaburra has a really kind of strong beak and so the kookaburra was able to wind this cobwebby stuff around its beak and then I saw the kookaburra take off and fly up into the sky and fly across these kind of mountains that were around this valley where we were out to where there was um, kind of some red earth beneath the kookaburra and I saw the kookaburra fly down and drop this white mess onto the ground and then all of a sudden this um, all of these ants it was in an ant's nest and all of these ants just came in and devoured this white sticky cobwebby stuff and after a few seconds it was just completely gone and I was lying in my tent on my back and then I just I, I was in such a dreamy state I just rolled over so I was lying on my front and then the same thing happened out the back Uh, out of the backside of my body in my chest the whole process happened all over again and it was such a profound it's it's like um you know it's just like having it was just like having a daydream of something that happened but I knew that it was completely real somehow what had happened it was so powerful Ayla and I um yeah it was 
just somehow merged into what the solo was about for me, which was some deep rest and a gentleness and tenderness in that place. Yeah, it was so beautiful. Mm, yeah, I love that. It's like you had an amazing support crew there to help weave and extract and healing and <laughs> it's beautiful. For sure, yeah, mm. I felt so supported. And that was really um yeah, that was very healing for me because what also happens on the solo trip is that um, we talk about our life story and I went last um, in my group telling my life story and I decided with the support of my counsellor that I would speak some of the memories of abuse that I had recovered that year. I hadn't ever spoken to them about, spoken about them with anybody else other than my counsellor. So at the end of my life story, I talked about four, the most, the most four, four most significant memories that I had had to date, which was a massive moment for me. I, was, I think I was shaking and um, in, a, in some fear and I think I left my body there for a little while. But it was such a, a significant moment. It was about bringing my story out of shame into the light, out of shadows into the light. And, um, and I did it. And so somehow the gentleness and the healing of the solo time was um, part of that process that started with speaking those memories that possibly started a week before when I had those memories. Mm, absolutely. And how, was that the first time apart from working with your support and your counsellor that you've spoken about those certain things like memories or um, what's you know spontaneously coming up in front of other people yeah that was that was the first yeah. time yeah yeah and so that's what I maybe somehow intuitively I knew remember I said at the first gathering I I looked at all those women and I thought okay this these are the women that are going to witness my story and they did. Mm. They witnessed my story and they witnessed me talking about those memories that were so hard to speak. And and then um, I was the last one to speak. It was at night and then we all went to bed. And then the next morning I got up, everyone got up and everything was just normal. Everything was exactly the same. Nobody had Nobody treated me any differently. Nobody said anything about them. You know, life just went on as normal and that was a really significant time for me. Mm, wow, and just feeling into that intent from the start and that deep almost honour and respect of witnessing you too by the others and around the processes. It's like that's, you know, the true essence of being seen and heard, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right yeah. and I don't, I don't talk about I still don't talk about the memories that much but it is so precious and so special to have a group of women that know those aspects of me and love me for that and I feel I have one place where I feel that I'm seen for who I really am and that's very special I don't mm. think I experienced that in other parts of my life mm. and was your counsellor supportive Oh, absolutely. Of you doing this journey and, yeah. Yes, I'm very yeah. lucky. I have a counsellor who is a crone woman, a very strong, um, alternative, unique crone woman. 
who, yes, totally supported me to do the whole Four Seasons journey and to go on the solo trip and then really supported me to continue on in Apprentice the next year as well. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And so in for people listening, um, when you came with the intent for the wounding um, around trauma and abuse, um, do you... Do you feel on a whole that the journey was really relevant in a way to revealing what it needed to reveal to be seen and heard um, around uh, trauma and deep trauma? Do you feel it was it as you know on a whole looking at it a a space for you that you felt that worked with what you needed to do to reveal the wounding that you needed to be where you are now, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that does make sense and that is a really good question. (laughs) That's a very insightful question. The short answer is yes. Um, The longer answer is that I think, um, I mean, all respect to Jane because I think this course is genius really, the way that Um, each gathering builds upon the content of the gathering before and the way that intimacy with the group is created it's almost um it's very it's very trauma informed it's kind of trauma informed even somehow without being intentionally trauma informed although possibly it is I don't know but yeah I did find the the safety of the the safety of the group, the safety of the container is so strong in the Four Seasons journey that, yes, it was perfect for for um, the big story that I was working with, which um, I can't say too much about it, but my since doing the Four Seasons journey, my, my, my story um, has just kept on getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's a really big story. But going back to the Four Seasons journey, yes, the, yeah, all I can say is just the strength in the container, in the cauldron is, um, was strong enough to hold the big story that I was working with. And I feel so thankful for that. Yeah. How was that last gathering for you? I'll just say quickly going back to your last question having said that that it that it was really strong and awesome in that way that doesn't mean that it was easy for me to trust that or to rest into that I would often feel you know I mentioned before I'm often the person who who does a lot of crying and so forth and um and I think that um for me I often felt my own, part of my wounding was that I often felt that I was too much or that I didn't fit in the group somehow because of this big story or because of my big feelings. I would experience that pretty much nearly every gathering. Um, And that was part of the process that I went through in relation to my wounding. And then there's the container that the Four Seasons journey brings that just kind of you know, sits there um, holding all of that while I go through that little process. But, yeah, coming up to the final gathering, I think I was, I felt ready for it to complete 
in some ways. And for the presentation, I did, um, I wrote a, a um, I wrote a speech, which I delivered. I wrote a paper that was on trauma and the wheel and how I was using the wheel, um, you know, the seasons, the cyclical wheel in relation to working with my trauma story. And um, again, that was a really big moment for me because I actually spent many years as a child as a mute. I didn't speak. And so after the solo trip of speaking the memories, then at the final gathering, I got up and delivered a 20-minute speech on um, kind of a summary of the memories and the trauma story that I'd had up until then. And then I also had done a lot of research into um, the shamanic aspects of trauma and how it can be viewed in a shamanic way, in a, in a way that is not dehumanizing and part of that um, illness broken paradigm that often exists in the culture in which we live and mm. then how I used my trust in the cycles to um, work with the memories that emerged and with this trauma story so and that's how that's really how it is for me I often have new memories arise and then I would have a descent for a little while and then after a time of being in that void space in that winter one day I would get up again uh, one day I would get up and I would kind of notice the color of the sky again notice what's happening around me and you know come into that renewal into that new day of being in the world again and able to take part in my life to its fullest capacity and then inevitably after a time you know, there might be new memories or something might get activated and I'll go into another descent. And that's really the way that my journey has continued on since then. But it's so helpful to have, it's so helpful, isn't it, to know the seasons and to know the wheel and to know that even when there's a darkness and a descent, there has to at some point be the opposite of that. That's very reassuring to know, to know that. Yeah, I'm almost just envisioning, like imagine in psychology or counselling circles, like that being introduced as a concept with all the many other concepts. It'd just yeah. be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm now studying postgraduate psychology myself, so maybe that might, maybe my future direction down the track might be some kind of fusion of shamanic work and psychology, who knows? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly something I'm pretty passionate about, yeah. Yeah, and are you driven by um, your, you know, your life experience into this? Into studying? Into the studying, yeah. Yeah, definitely because um, I, um, I have a need to understand often, to understand intellectually what's happening that helps me to manage manage the emotions and the other aspects so um yeah for sure yeah I Mm -hmm. wanted to I'd been thinking about studying for a while but I just didn't know what direction to go in and then out of um this trauma story was a desire really to understand to understand also the mainstream framework even if I just completely reject it down the track which is possible um Mm -hmm. at least to have that understanding 
um, to come from an educated position so I can create something um, something more helpful possibly than what is out there mm. because I'm I'm a person now that has um, you know various mental health diagnoses and has the picture of the trauma that I experienced is so big now that it kind of is true sometimes that I don't fit into mainstream places in regards to um, sexual abuse or healing. My story is not as, um, it's a very complex story and the level of trauma is such that it is just a reality that I am quite different to other people and my needs and my self-care needs are quite high and quite different to what to that of other people and um that's a reality that's taken a long time to accept so I suppose I am totally motivated to to learn more and to become a professional that can um cater to people like myself <laughs> mm. yeah I'm very lucky now my counsellor has um my counsellor and myself about a year ago created a support circle for myself and that's made up of seven women that I know and that who live, some live close to me and some live not so close. But if I do have a crisis time, I have seven women to call on who offer emotional support or who um, cook me meals or who come and be with me in my house so that I can stay with my family and stay out of the system and that has been so profound and amazing wow yeah that is definitely profound and thank you for just sharing that because that, what what a beautiful way to meet the need you know and have that circle that you know is there <laughs> that's absolutely amazing that yeah, counsellor well, sounds amazing <laughs> yeah she is yeah mm. well it's a new way to um it's sisterhood in action isn't it and it's a yeah creative way to have a community to enable me to stay in my own home with my children and not be possibly for the further traumatized by a system that's not always gentle or understanding about individual mental health mm. need absolutely and or knows you, you that's know. right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah mm. so I'd love to for you to um before we finish the podcast, to speak to the women that may be still deciding to do the journey, whether it be the Blue Mountains or anywhere else in Australia, um, just love for you to speak to them and um, say what you feel about anyone considering <laughs> joining. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think it's – I think – when one is thinking about it, it's so hard to um, it's so hard to get a real sense of what the outcomes and the gifts are going to be. But I just think in every case there 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 are so many positives. There's so many gifts that come out of the Four Seasons journey. It's beyond worth it. I don't know what else to say. If you're thinking about it, to me that's a sign that you just have to do it. <laughs> don't <laughs> overthink it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah if it finds call. it if it comes into your field in life then it's there for a reason and yeah I um it's not always easy and it is work 
but with anything like what we invest we um we also receive in um energy wise and yeah the gifts are boundless yeah i'm so thankful that that um i did it i'm so thankful that i did it that particular year with um that beautiful small group and um yeah, I've done one year apprenticing and I think that I'll possibly continue to apprentice into the future. Ah, and so you're apprenticing at the Blue Mountains? Yeah, I've just completed the first year of apprenticing with Raven and Ishwari as teachers. Mm. And this year um, that just finished in February and I'm taking most of the rest of this year off to focus on some trauma-specific um, things and then possibly step back into apprenticing next year. Mm, beautiful. I look forward to seeing how that unfolds for you. Mm, thank you. Mm, thank you so much, Kiralee. I really, really deeply appreciate your insights, um, your journey and connections and your intent and um, just appreciate your voice. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Ayla. I feel really... Um, really scared now because I, <laughs> I once again I couldn't help but go there so now I'll have to um, um, step up to the challenge of my voice being out there in such a public way just another step on yeah. my healing journey yeah, <laughs> yeah thank yeah. you yeah thank you for more information on today's inner review with photos and how to connect, head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com forward slash media forward slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.